Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an outstanding woman in STEM award winner, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant. Now, my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. So this is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time? Join my Facebook group at UK Educators or find some great resources on my website at ukeducators.com. Today, we are going to be talking about money mindset. So Ray, I've come to know from the other work that I do, her kids come to my online school and we've become really good friends because I love the work that she is doing at the moment. Um, She works with women. She's done some work with me on personality testing and I've been raving on about her um, with a couple of you already. So I'm very excited to have this interview with her. So hi, Ray. Hi, Sid. What a welcome. It's lovely to be on the podcast today. I'm really excited to talk to you about all things money mindset and archetypes, which you now know all about. Well, let's start off with your background. Let's talk about a bit about you and how you've kind of come to working with what you're doing right now and why it's so important to you, because I know you're very passionate about what you do. I am. Yeah, really passionate. So I'm a uh, working mum with three boys. I'm 36. I've set up a business about five years ago, starting to support women in business in particular. Before that, I um, was working with my now ex-husband in a much larger company that we started and we were earning a lot of money every month. We weren't necessarily having a lot of money in the bank and I couldn't quite work out what the problem was, but it definitely was us. And when I started to work with women, I realized that actually I was coming from quite a patriarchal mindset of how to teach business development, as in here is a structure and we're going to try and make products and we're going to try and uh, sell ourselves. And what I realized when I took a step back to work on myself and, and then started to apply this with other women is that we work differently. We work more the inside out. And so I started to um, do a coaching program to become certified in understanding our archetypes. And this was a game changer because it really looks at the financial education we all have had or haven't had. And it's sort of building back the foundations from the core personality starting there, reinforcing how we can strengthen any weaknesses we have in our maybe personality traits. And then from that point, start to create sort of micro habits, that kind of CBT, let's make new small changes to reinforce our foundations and our mindsets so that we can charge what we're worth. And actually, when we start to believe and we've done a bit of work on ourselves, we just start to embody the confidence. We're not putting on an act and we're not trying to sell. We now can feel really confident in, I can hold the space to charge more and I can relax a little bit. I can see that the effort and the work that I've put in is worth this. And now I, it would almost be a crime not to offer this to someone. So selling becomes different. It now becomes a way of giving to other people rather than hoping, please, please, 
could you take my service? Mm. So that change has caused radical change in my own life. Whereas if I get money in now, I know where my core personalities can be a little bit tinkerish sometimes and I can spot it and I can put things in place. And so I'm growing and I, that's what I now do with other women. And there's other things as well I do with branding and style coaching because they all sort of stack upon each other. So the money mindset is really the identity part that we have to do within ourselves. And then charging what we're worth is become second nature. I can see it's real change and I can see that people really start to value themselves in a different way that isn't artificial and has strong foundations. People that are in the education sector, uh, they come from a very nurturing background, like they are used to offering services and helping and feeling guilty about charging because they feel like it should all be for free. But that's not sustainable and if we're running a business we need to know what we're worth and what our value is and you've done this uh, personality test with me so can you tell us the process in which you kind of find out how people think about money and what kind of steps you take to kind of support them into thinking differently because I think the work that you're doing is amazing um, and it's very much needed and I, I agree that it's slightly different for women because we're coming from a very different way of thinking about things we've got that nurturer side to us mm-hmm. and I, and I think that affects the way we think about the world and the way we think about our businesses and the way we think about how we prioritize things and especially if it's to do with other kids we really want to support and help and like our maternal side kind of kicks in so how do you find out what people's perceptions of money are before you start working with them? Great question. And you're right. A lot of people in the teaching industry or education industry are nurturers. So essentially, the assessment that we take is an online personality test, essentially. But this test specifically, Sacred Money Archetypes, is about how we relate to decisions, particularly financial decisions. That's how it's engineered. And we all have these archetypes within us. And archetypes span the whole of our lifespan. So rather than value-based, which may change, it's really about your core personality traits. There's seven, I'll write it in the post underneath. But (laughs) we all have these archetypes within us. But what happens when you take the assessment? It's quite a lot of questions. And sometimes they are slightly nuanced to be slightly different. If you've ever taken a personality test, I'm sure you know what I mean. And what happens is when you do this, it's kind of scanning you. And then hopefully there'll be a signature archetype that will pop up and then two influencers. They're the ones that we really look at. And your signature archetype is the main core dominant personality trait that you have. And sometimes they can be very close together. Sometimes they're actually quite a big distance. So it just means that's one aspect of you is more dominant. So um, somebody who's a CEO of a large corporation might be a maverick, a ruler, and maybe a connector. So they're very focused, driven on goals. They're very go-getters. And with money, they might be great. As people, questionable. (laughs) It's just every archetype can have really wonderful aspects and then have areas that can be kind of like the shadow side, the darker aspects and where money leaks can be created. It's the same for every archetype. But when I come to look at somebody who's more in the teaching or educator realm, quite often they come back as nurturers, connectors, maybe alchemists, accumulator. That's the other one, the accumulator. They're good at um, accumulating effectively. And so what 
you do is you have the assessment. I then get the breakdown of your archetypes. I can see then which are your signature and you're influenced in. And very quickly, I will be able to see, because I've been doing it quite a while now, aha, I bet that this is a problem or that they find this can happen or this mindset might happen. And there are certain mixes that always tend to go together. Uh, not that it doesn't happen, but it's quite unusual to, if you're a nurturer and a connector to also be a maverick. They're quite opposing. And then we also have branding archetypes, which is more about if you're building a business. But the thing we need to know first is your sacred money archetypes, because even if you're building a br business brilliantly and bringing lots of money in, which is what I did, it doesn't matter because if your sacred money archetypes have got money leaks, you know, there's the problem. So do you find that that personality test is specifically for females or does it work across uh, both genders? No, it works across both genders. I've done it with sort of my father, my ex-husband, uh, acquaintances I've known in business. It works the same and it has been really helpful for them as well. It's just I think in my sphere, I tend to work with women as well. But if you're open to those sorts of things and personality tests and are specifically wanting to look at money mindset, which is what SMA is, sacred money archetypes, it works for both genders uh, because it is personality based, not gender based. So do you find that certain genders will have um, a certain personality? Um, and is that why when we look at like uh, uh, big businesses and corporations and they're run by mainly men uh, and it's because of that certain personality traits that they have, which allow them to be in those positions and actually do really well in them? Yeah, to some extent, I think it's more industry based rather than gender based, as in you know, I know a lot of male teachers who probably have that nurturer, alchemist, maybe accumulator, connector in them. And that's why they're so great at teachers. The same if, if there's nurses. And um, it's not to say that somebody who's running a business and is a man could be like a nurturer, connector and alchemist. But the way they would approach their business would be, I would imagine, very different to then if it was a ruler or a maverick because they become more conscious and are more mindful or perhaps they care about sort of social impact and it's not to say I'm making that sound like rulers and mavericks are bad people it's not that at all it's just you know people are designed to do different roles aren't they and it's interesting that if you do survey people who are in those roles often if they're happy they have the right personality type for the right job. I think it's very noticeable if you have a very sort of go-getter personality and you're doing a career that doesn't serve that, that that's when the conflict comes and vice versa. So then do you believe that there's certain uh, career paths that aren't suited to certain personality types? And if that's the case, then are nurturers suited to businesses because they're always going to have the social aspect side which is going to override the business side of things so how do you work with women who are very much on the social aspect side of things and isn't that a conflict of interest there where they're like fighting against the tide constantly yeah, no, I love that you asked this question because I'm a nurturer so my sacred money archetypes are romantic nurturer connector and they mm. my nurture is quite dominant there's not much between romantic and nurturer and so I've had to reconcile 
this within myself because my branding archetypes are romantic and ruler but my sacred money archetypes so my core personality is just wants to give (laughs) and give and give which is why it's quite interesting to know our branding archetypes because our business is actually something that's outside of ourself whereas our sacred money archetypes I, I sort of see it as archetypes that have umbilical cords to us whereas when we're creating a business there should be a um, aspect that it's living outside of us that it's something that we can step away from and step to so I think understanding your sacred money archetypes and understanding that you're a nurturer we can actually have this wonderful superpower if we get our balance right so nurturers are naturally giving to other people so how we change that and become brilliant in business is that we have to adopt radical self-care and nurture ourselves first and foremost and create new boundaries that perhaps we have never put in place before. And most of the people I work with have a nurturer in their top personality type. And the changes that I've seen that have been quick, fast and furious have always been when nurturers have started to create micro actions, which is what I call them, to start putting those new boundaries in place, raising their self-esteem and kind of creating the space to nurture themselves in ways they've never had before. Because if we can sustain the longevity of running a business and it's succeeding, my gosh, what wonderful businesses we'll have because it's so needed in the world. It's just nurturers burn out quickly. So it's learning the difference that we need that other archetypes perhaps may not need. I think that's really true because when I, whenever I look up to other kind of business people in the industry, not even in the industry, just people to look up to aspire to be because I think role models are really important and we lack high quality nurturer profile uh, role models to kind of follow because a lot of them, actually are doing the work on the ground and are doing the social side of it and they're not interested in the fame and all the other side of things because that personality doesn't match with them so I did the personality test and I found it really fascinating because Ray was talking through when we had a one-to-one after and she was talking through the different personality traits with me archetypes with me and she was spot on like spot on I was like oh my and I'm always slightly wary when I do them and then I'm always surprised when I actually like how exact they are because I'm like I'm unique no one can figure me out and then like she had me all figured out in like within 40 questions of me answering those personality questions for someone that's like me and I think a lot of educators will have because I was nurturer that was top a bit like you what kind of difficulties will we have when it does come to money well yeah I think that it works on various levels when it comes to money I think that first and foremost a lot of nurturers don't feel money is their main driver And they would do what they're doing even if they weren't paid because the cause is often more important Mm. than the money. I know that's the case for me often. So sometimes I'll go, oh, I'll just do it for free. Oh, don't worry. And actually by doing that, I'm almost dishonoring myself because I'm now giving without having nurtured myself as well or giving myself the self-esteem that I actually kind of deserve to be paid for this because one of the problems nurturers can have is that they can attract people who just want to take and take and don't have that boundary of going well this person always gives to me so I always go to them and so with nurturers it's developing a relationship with money that becomes personal so I kind of try and personify money 
into a sort of an energetic form. It's like we don't sometimes track our money and we don't see how it can nurture us. So there's exercises that I do where we start to develop an actual relationship with money. It's where we visualize money and we then step into the place of money and what is money's intention for us. And it sounds a bit strange and unusual, but as a mindset shift, if you start to identify what does money mean for you, what does money want to do for you? And as a nurturer, often it's money can provide resources for other people. So if you get money, you can give it away and money can allow you to rest because you don't have to work so much. So it's a collaborative relationship. And it's simple things like looking at your wallet and looking how you look after your wallet. So for instance, when I first did it, I had this shabby wallet with lots of receipts and you know it wasn't taken care of. And I have to nurture money and my relationship with money as same as I would with like a close friend you know now I check in on money every day and I track it so I check my bank account and I'm like oh how did we do today money and I'm having this collaborative relationship because if I nurture money money will nurture me if I don't think about it and it's very abstract and I'm not a very numeric person I'm very visual so the way I bank is different I now use Munzo and I use pots because I can see and it's uh, it's a much more visual sort of way of relating to money so it's basically changing the relationship and identity of money to not be some sort of abstract complicated slightly difficult thing but actually getting it in alignment to the way we view and can view money in a way that can become collaborative and work for us so nurturers can be amazing with money because we're amazing at nurturing we just need to change the relationship with money so we can nurture it that's really interesting because I've heard lots of different perceptions of how our relationship with money should be because I think when you're at a point where you're finding it difficult to pay the bills mm-hmm. and you are panicking and especially during COVID time I know loads of people have been in that position including myself at the beginning of lockdown I was there when you're in that panic state then you're constantly looking for it and your mindset has changed from being a nurturer into just surviving. And that's a very dangerous place to be in because then you can't focus properly. Making sure that you never get to that point is so important. And the one thing I've realized from this COVID experience is that I didn't look after the money. It came in, I, it would pay the bills, everything else would get reinvested in the business. And I was, I was happy with that because I was like, I can buy more gadgets because there's my nurturer side coming out it meant that I could do more good with the kids I could give give them nice things to play around with in the sessions I could give away things and I did a lot of that and then when COVID hit it was like well what have I got to show for all that hard work that I've put in this is a position where my business should have been looking after me it should have had reserves it should have had things to keep me going and keeping me afloat for at least six months until I got my app together and I was like I don't have any of that like what have I been doing for 10 years um and it's interesting that when you did the personality test with me like I was like oh no this was all like all the downsides you talked about I was like this was all me in March Mm -hmm. since then I've started to shift my mindset but I've done it without knowing my archetypes and I think it would have speeded up that process a lot more just just that validation of this is what I'm like this is what I need to do yeah. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know yeah. and you don't know what you need to do. And my relationship with money has changed now, but I don't think I'm like 100% there, which yeah. is why I loved having this conversation with you and having that one-to-one and trying to figure out, actually, there's so much more work that still needs to be done. The other thing that came up was that I'm an alchemist. Yes. 
So what does that mean from a money mindset perspective? Because I'm assuming, and I know that there's going to be other people in the group like this because we've had this discussion where I'm like, I've got so many ideas mm-hmm. and everyone else has said, yeah, that's me too. So there's other people like that in the same position. So what kind of things do we need to be aware of if we're an alchemist? And what is an alchemist? Okay, so alchemist, the very simplest way to think about alchemist is turning that water into wine. It's taking an idea that other people could never see a possibility in and changing it into something that's like a diamond. It's Alchemists are transformers. They're very imaginative. They're creators. Um they can see possibilities and outside of the box that other people can't think of and so alchemists are amazing at generating ideas and you know there's almost like a superpower that no matter what situation they're put in somehow they'll figure a way out of it so having an alchemist in your mix as your personality you know top personality is brilliant because it means that as you've done with a lot of your businesses you've been able to think outside of the box and create you know ways of living and generating money that others may not ever be able to think of so it's a wonderful mix to have however with each of the archetypes they can burn each other out or support and empower each other so I actually got the archetypes drawn up by an artist so that we could have them again personified in character form and I actually have my archetypes sat out when I'm doing money things so that I can go oh my romantic's kicking in here and hang on you you be cheeky you connector we need to stop that now and so with an alchemist archetype with a nurturer and alchemist is wonderful if the nurturer has energy but the alchemist can wear out a nurturer because the nurturer is giving 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 and if a nurturer hasn't got its boundaries in place the alchemist thinks of lots of ideas which potentially the nurturer goes yes they're really good because we can give to all these people but they spread themselves way too thin and when that comes to money it means that there can be great opportunities and they're viable and they're real But what we have to do to balance an alchemist is to do a sense check and go, okay, actually based on your archetype being a nurturer, have you given yourself enough time back to replenish, restore and to look after your money? Or is one of these projects going to take from you too much and steal that time? And if so, can we put it on the back burner for two months until maybe another revenue stream has generated enough money that you can then look at this. So the nurturer and the alchemist can be great co-parents and, you know, co-partners and collaborate wonderfully if they're in balance. So that's why it's good to know the three so that you can sort of see if one's tipping, how it can affect. And that's how we know if we're getting out of balance. If I start going, oh, I deserve that. I know that my romantic needs to be nurtured and then I have mm. to take a step back. Again, you're spot on. Like everything that you've just said there, just uh, it, it's just me. <laughs> and then the important thing here is like when you're at a point where money is tight and you're finding it difficult mm-hmm. to focus on that one thing to get the money in, like you yeah. just said, having that income stream coming and then you can focus on the other ideas. Yeah. And that's exactly what I've done with the online school. I got that set up, mm-hmm. got it up and running. I've got teachers and admin running it. Now I can take a step back and go, ooh, projects. I can work on all of these amazing things. And I think that's what people need to do. And I've talked about this with the workshop I ran last week. Having multiple income streams is so important because if one got dips, you've still got money coming in and you're not going to reach that point of panic. So when people come to actually pricing their kind of services and, and what they're offering, especially if it's a service, 
Yeah. Because when you're pricing a product, you're told to look at the amount of time it's taken to make it and the materials, and it's a lot, it's a slightly easier. Yeah. But if you're talking about a service, what types of things should they be looking at to know that they're valuing themselves and and the time that they're actually putting in and their experience? Because that often gets overlooked. Sure. Well, I mean, again, there's multiple layers to consider. Lots of people who do sales and things are sort of, you know, charge high prices if you're worth it. And I actually take a bit more of a realistic stance on pricing. And the first thing I would say is to look at what the industry rates are. What are people, your peers charging? That's the first thing. What's the range? What's the lowest? What's the highest? And then it's a sense check again. What are your experience? You know, what is the experience? How many years do you have teaching? What's the social proof that you can have? Can you get any testimonials? For me, it's use your head and your heart. So the head is let's get facts. How many years teaching have you done? In what age range have you done? Is it if you're a, a new teacher, that's again fine. But I would probably charge a little bit less. But if you've got three, five years experience plus, you're now taking yourself up to a higher bracket. And if you're then going into developing your own business where you're, you know, having to stand on the platform and say, this is me and this is what I've done, you can then feel really confident that you have the goods to back it up. And every social proof you can give, every testimonial you can offer is almost a little bit more money you can charge. So if you're starting from scratch, I always say it's okay to do things for free, but do it in for a testimonial and do it for a very short amount of time because actually having testimonials are like gold dust and we need the reviews and we need other other parents or other people who are looking for tutors want to know how have other people done? Have they done any change? There's so much choice that it's important to give the social proof. But also, this is the other thing about the archetypes and then going on to branding archetypes is your personality is really important when you're coming to tutoring and charging. Because if you've got any unique skills, that could also become a another aspect of how you could charge a bit more. So I don't know if that, that answers that properly, but I don't think you should just go with your gut and go with what other people think because it will you might get anxiety at some point. So it's have some facts, get some testimonials, see what the industry rate is, and then say a number out loud that feels uncomfortable and that's probably the right number. Because someone was asking, how much do I charge? And I was like, well, pick a number that you think is worth your time and just go slightly higher until you feel yeah. uncomfortable. Totally. When you, when you can't say it, but when it feels uncomfortable and it feels a stretch, that's better. If it feels too easy for you, then it's not the right number. That's definitely true. If we were talking about this this time last year, particularly of teaching or tutoring, it would be a completely different conversation because everything's supply and demand. So right now it's the industry to get into because parents like me, I'm a working parent. I am not an educator in that way. And, and also I have such a high standard for my children. I feel like they wouldn't be getting good enough. And I didn't think they did get good enough in their, their schooling that they had before, which is why I switched them to UK virtual school. But you know, there is a massive demand right now. So it means that it's okay to charge well, because there are a lot of parents out there desperate for high quality teaching, which means you'd have to know how to teach online. It's a different skill set, I'm sure. But if any industry right now should boom, it should be the educator sector. So coming from a nurture perspective, a lot of people will say, oh, but I feel guilty thinking about the business like that because people are desperate. I'm taking advantage of parents right now. What 
kind of advice would you give for people and there's going to be loads of people feeling like that right now yeah. because when you talk about oh it's supply and demand a business person would be like yeah that's where I need to be yeah. but for a teacher to kind of go I don't want to be charging because now is a time to be helping and now is a time to be helping yeah. those desperate families so what would you say to that well also I think that that's a misconception because we never know what any individual has got set aside for their children's education you know that so first of all that's a burden we need to take off unburden ourselves from thinking that because I do not think that's true I think that when it comes to food holidays things like that people often live kind of hand to mouth but sometimes they may have a trust fund or they may have inheritance money they might have money set aside for education or they might have relatives who would go yeah absolutely I'm here to support you I want them to have the best education so here you go you can have this early and it is a misconception to assume we know what people have got in their banks so that's the first thing and that goes for all business coaching or business ownership is let's not assume we we know what's really going on and what people will prioritize and what money they have and so that's almost like we need to quiet that voice down a little bit because we're mm. we're stopping ourselves before we even start and the other thing to think about is rather than supply and demand it's that people will put money to things that they think are important but if you charge too less they will think that you're not good enough quality for their child. So there is a beautiful balance that has to be struck that if you undercharge, you're going to get missed because parents aren't even going to consider you. Because often people who are that interested in getting their child educated, because quite simply, you just won't look for a tutor if you can't afford a tutor. So do you see what I mean? It's like the parents that are looking usually have got some money to be able to support their children. Like I live in Brighton, so I can't put that my children in private schools because it's, well, it's £2,000 a month per child. And that's too much for me with three children. So I can't put them in private education and we don't have grammar schools. But we do have money that we could do tutoring, which is what we now feel is important to do. Not loads, but some. So yes, I would say just don't expect, don't assume too much and realise that the right people are out there waiting and looking for the right people. And this is, leads on nicely to branding archetypes because you were talking about this in our one-to-one where you were talking about doing the branding archetype so you can figure out who your ideal client is and what kind of archetypes that they will hold or their personality traits will kind of be about. And then you know how to communicate with them because we often get those parents that will contact us and then um, anything above £15 an hour, they'll be like, that's so expensive. Like, yeah. Can you do £10 an hour? Like, They'll always be uh, those that are going to push down so do you feel that it's the marketing that's speaking to the wrong parents at that point to an extent perhaps I mean with the branding archetypes for ourselves this is imagine we've got sort of like a ball of energy that is our business and we do the personality test and it brings out our influence and signature we look at the only two really with branding and they communicate with us and we build a business that's on brand so it's aligned with our personality so it means I'm a ruler and romantic so romantic first and then ruler so my business will always have elements of slight luxury or giving people wonderful experiences and connection and, and nurturing that's all in a romantic but also I'm sort of like a bit of a boss and I have structure and I have rules and I do business development so people who are feeling stressed or out of control or not sure what to do or where to do with the business going to a ruler who's got a brand who's like a ruler is a great fit 
because a ruler brings structure and focus and has the language to reassure maybe nurture or a connector or a, an alchemist or an accumulator who's sort of like ah! and a ruler goes it's okay here's the plan let's get going and so the language that I speak attracts people who need that at that time so when we perhaps if you did your branding archetypes and you were like okay maybe I'm a sage perhaps a lot of people in education are sages a sage is well you know the archetype of a sage is somebody who's wise knowing loves to give knowledge. I, I don't know if you're a sage, but um, I've done archetypes, uh, branded archetypes as a teacher before and they were a sage. So it's wisdom and it's the need to share. But what we, what we have to realize is this is our business. So there are some structures around branding archetypes and some sort of core things we call it the brand soul that a sage brand soul would always have. So a, a romantic and ruler brand will always hold certain aspects to it so if somebody came to give me an opportunity that was outside of my brand I could easily say no to it because I would know that would take me outside of my personality and it would become effort and I want to stay in flow when we know what our brand is and even if you're just an individual doing tutoring you're still doing a business outside of yourself and then what we do is we can figure out who your ideal clients might be. So your brand, your branding can then be specified for the language that suits them. So I'm a ruler in my business and I was attracted to UK virtual schools. It could be that you have quite a lot of rulers, mavericks, celebrities, and that's an archetype, not actual celebrities, although accumulators and nurturers, but you might look through all the branding archetypes and go, actually, For the ideal client, and that's the difference, it's not just anyone, for our ideal client, if we use this language, we're going to attract this type of client into our business and they're more likely to pay prices that are valued and at my value, whereas if I go to these ones, they're not my ideal client right now and so I'm going to determine myself to use the language that fits these archetypes more and that's just a smart business move really and I've done a lot of marketing sessions over the years business development but I've never had anyone talk about marketing from a personality trait perspective they always do it so generically like this is the formula this is how you do it this is the part of this like this is what you need to write down yeah. and this is what you need to do this makes so much more sense because you're targeting it to a specific person and you're using specific languages so can you give us an example of what kind of words you would use mm-hmm. understanding archetypes to charge your value and automatically Ray initially said to charge your premium prices mm-hmm. that's it and I said hmm maybe not premium maybe value because we're talking to tutors here if we say premium they're going to get switched off by that no that's that's exactly it so a lot of the um, women that I work with or today that I've worked with are quite go-getter mavericks I work with quite a lot of mavericks and premium prices is like ooh, sweet words for them yeah but it's like alchemists sometimes like the word manifest or mavericks hate the word manifest they would like the word create so it can repel which is what we want we want to be divisive we want to push Mm. away the people who don't want Mm. us and attract the people that do want us you know we want to be marmite in this situation because the more specified we can the more we can niche ourselves and this is what i do as well with branding archetypes is find your signature program and find your niche and really work it out and go all in because we want that flow and want to work with people who we know we're going to get on with as well 
and this is really powerful because it's something that I've always said where someone will say, oh, you can't say that because it's going to upset certain people. You can't say that. I'm like, yeah, but I want to filter yeah, out good. people. No, I want, want to. to. Yeah, and, and this is the yeah. thing about knowing ourselves. When we've really got strong on our sacred money archetypes and we've understood how we intrinsically were, it kind of raises our self-esteem, particularly as nurturers. Um, because we can feel like we're not going to be walked all over. And then when we look at our branding archetypes and we really understand this is how I need to operate in my business to stay aligned to my personality, we sort of put, we define it more. It becomes more of a substance. It means we can become more ourselves. And this is why I then go into styling quite often because it's an outward expression of that inward change. And quite often when people have got to this point, they then start to dress or start to change their branding colors to bolster that knowing of this is who I am. Mm. And then when you start to define yourself more like this and you then change your outward appearance slightly, I mean, I'm clearly a romantic ruler in what I'm wearing. Then again, it does the same. It even more accentuates that sort of repelling the wrong people and attracting the right people. I wish I'd met you a couple of years ago because I've had to go through this process without having like, this is the route that you take, right? And me being analytical, physics and maths background, I would have loved to have someone tell me like this is what you're like this is what you got to do these are the mm-hmm. steps you got to take yeah. because it would stop all of that trial and error and it's trying to save all of that time and I think a lot of people look up to experts for that reason to save time to be fair you can go on google you can figure out all of this yourself the yeah. whole point of having an expert is that you're cutting all of that time that you're going to be spending just reading around and spending days and weeks and months and trying to figure it out trial and error to actually get the information that's actually relevant to you, tailored to you in a very concise way and to actually have someone answer those questions because Google can't answer everything specific. Just talking to you, I'm like, oh, I got to do my branding archetypes (laughs) with you now. Um, (laughs) All of the stuff that you've said is just hitting, like just the stuff that I've been through over the last 18 months. Like the last 18 months, I focused so much more on my values Mm -hmm. because that's what I was aware of and that's what I'd kind of come across I was like okay I don't want to work with certain people and I was probably it was probably also based on their archetypes Mm -hmm. because there were certain people that were just turning me off I'm like nah not going to work with that person not going to work with this person there was also like I know I'm happy with who I am as a as a person now and that's taken years Mm. there was a point three four years ago where I would not go on camera I would not put my photo next to my business I would not tell people who I am because I went I wasn't comfortable with who I was for me to be part of my business brand terrified me and now I'm at a point where I'm like I know who I am I know who I want to work with I know who I don't want to work with Mm. if you don't like me keep going I don't want to know you and I'm okay to put things that are controversial out there because I know they'll repel people that don't like me I'm actually completely happy to use the block button yeah someone if someone is completely like I love debate but if you're going to be like disrespectful or gonna or just gonna go go on and on and on about something that I've obviously talked about before and you're just not listening block I don't have time but what that does is it opens up the opportunity to find people that do want you and do actually value what you're offering and do look up to you. And I think that's what we want to do in business. We want to always attract the right people. And just to give people a bit of insight, because you met me on Facebook. I did. Maybe two, three years you were following me, right? 
Yeah, like a creepy little stalker that I was. <laughs> but this is it. I tell this to like educators all the time. There are people that are following you that won't actually comment, that won't like anything, but they're there looking at the stuff that you're doing. And when you're posting stuff that's personal to you or business related, you're attracting people or you're actually pushing them away. You're filtering them. I put a post up the a couple of months ago about a sieve. Like you can sieve as much as you like with your posts and stuff, but sometimes the dirt still comes through, right? Yeah. yeah. And someone and then you'll have that one person that really infuriates you. But the majority of the people that aren't going to be your ideal customers or your ideal people to work with or become friends with, they're going to get filtered out by what you're posting. So you need to be very specific in what you're putting out there. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I yeah, I absolutely loved what you said about, you know, it's an acceleration and it's a, you know, by being defined in who you are, it pushes people away quicker. <laughs> and yeah. actually yeah. the people that are staying there watching are actually just growing more and more in your camp. You know, they might not be putting their hands up yet there, but if they're staying, once you're being divisive, they're going to be probably pretty loyal in your customer journey. And for me, yes, I was a lurker for a while, but also it was the perfect storm. When I needed something, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. Yeah. And if I'd have just looked on a Google search, I probably wouldn't have, you know, UK virtual school's not been around long. Mm. So if it hadn't been for your reputation and you, I would have gone up to one that's been up a lot longer. So, you know, who we are and being true to our values and our likes and dislikes and how we react to the world, presenting that because we are our brand people by people first is really important. And that's never more true than if you're going to be a tutor or something to do with a child's education. I've had teachers who have got artists in their branding archetype. But if you looked at their website, you'd never know they had that creativity in them. So now they've changed their branding colours and actually are dressing more as a creative, which is one of the uh, personality types for clothing. And immediately you can see, oh, they must be a creative teacher. And actually that's going to attract certain people who have children who are very highly artistic. So it is a hack. It is accelerated. And that's one of the reasons I'm passionate about it, because I have earned way too much money and been way too poor at the same time for way too long. And I have created a network called the United Women Network. And I just love the idea of particularly women being around each other who are all going on this journey of self-development to stay together and stay ignited because it's it's hard work, right? It's hard work running a business and bolstering ourselves and learning new things and getting it wrong. And it's great to have a community of people that you can step into and get them to support you when your arms are tired. Do you know what I mean? So... Yeah, this is exciting stuff. I know, Rain's my new best friend. You are. We are besties now. <laughs> I know, we talk every single day because we've got so much in common. And just touching on your styling bit of stuff that you're doing. So do you also then kind of give hints and tips on how to dress and how to kind of be present to the world and what kind of style to have? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm doing a style coaching diploma at the moment. So I'm nearly certified, but I, I can still take on clients as I'm being certified. It's a really in-depth diploma. I, I phew, didn't know what I was getting myself into. So you had to learn about colour theory, the nuances of fashion history, you know, how to style jewellery. It's it's intense. It's probably one of the most intense trainings I've ever done on anything. There's a lot to learn. But essentially what I do is I look at your sacred money archetypes. We then look at your branding archetypes and we can do it completely 
separately but I find it quite helpful and mm. then we look at your style personality and I do the cut your colors as well because this is all about embodying confidence well I am a professional singer and one of the things about being a performer is you you know that presentation and first impressions are very important mm. and if you can know actually these colors are going to always work with me it's not that trivial oh I just want to look pretty it's about feeling confident and feeling empowered mm. and mm. even if you're not feeling it yourself at least if you can show up ready and looking as professional as you always want to be very quickly it allows you to raise your self-esteem and confidence all the time so yes we look at colors look at wardrobe edits look at style personalities which is a big one and then I just get people messaging me just before I came on I had people messaging me saying I'm about to buy this what do you think and I'm like it's great color it's good cut go for it because we're all on Zoom. So we're all performers right now, whether we like it or not. And so sometimes we have to change our mindset to get dressed for the role that we're performing at that time. I do it because I want women to feel empowered with the business they're developing and just, you know, feel good and not for anyone else, but for themselves. And I think it's really powerful as well, because we were talking about this the other day. Like I'd seen a photo and I had a meeting with another woman and I was terrified. I was anxious to meet her because her photo, the way she was dressed, made me feel anxious because yeah. she was in a suit and she had this aura around her, which was very kind of corporate. Yeah. And I don't like like mingling with that those kind of people because it makes me feel inferior and uncomfortable. Yeah. But when I spoke to her, her personality was completely different. Yeah. And, I, and I was just suddenly taken aback and I was like, oh, you're down to earth. You're like me. I like you. <laughs> yeah. And it's that alignment, isn't it? And I think mm-hmm. that's the core of everything that I want to do is let's get your core personality in alignment. First of all, with yourself, let's ground yourself. And then with your business, whatever we present to the world, let's have it come from that core. So you're always in flow. You're always being authentic. And if they like you, you know, they like you for you. And I think that's a really powerful place mm. to be in. And when you're growing a business, anything that makes you feel more empowered and confident has got to be a good thing. Yeah, I think one of the big things that stopped me from being visible on my business was the fact that I wear a headscarf. And I was always like, oh, I don't know, that's going to be, that's going to put people off. Because I faced a lot of issues face to face with people where they'd come to the workshops, they'd see me, they'd pull their kids out, they'd be like, oh, we've changed our mind, we don't want to do it, right? And then that really kind of put me off for years and years. I didn't, I wasn't visible for seven years of my business in my first one. And I had a coach and he said to me, let them not like you. Yeah. Like if they don't not like you, that's fine. You're filtering yeah. them out at that point, right? Totally. You don't have to face it. I was like, well, what if they say negative stuff on the net? And he's like, realistically, how many people are going to do that? And then like, if you get really big enough, people will do it. But then you hire someone to filter through your messages and delete yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it kind of made me think of it in a different way. And when I became more confident being visible in my business it changed the complete dynamic of how I did delivery of how I showed up and I come in my crazy lab coat and I'm fine to kind of look (laughs) mad and insane and but it's me and people expect that and I like that now like I finally found who I am and I wish I'd known about you like I've said this before just just now but I didn't know like a, a role like what you do existed. Well, I don't know if it has, to be honest, because I mean, I've kind of built this business as I've gone along. And really the final component, I had a hip replacement 13 weeks ago. And mm. it was just before that when I was like, no, I 100% need to 
make sure this styling element is a part of my business because every time I've done this development with a woman, we get to this point. So I don't know how many people there are doing exactly the mix of what I'm doing because it's literally been birthed out of my journey as a businesswoman trying to navigate this crazy world as a connector, nurturer and romantic, which isn't your typical business archetypes so there isn't that many role models for people who are I wouldn't say softer archetypes but a little bit gentler or the emphasis isn't on money I'm a very purpose-driven business owner and I can't I just can't do business unless it's from the heart and you know I get overly passionate and I'm like because it's not just a job for me it's what I want to be doing and I need to pay food for my children but it's a service do you know what I mean it's of service it feels like a calling a ministry do you know what I mean and so yeah I've cultivated this role for the need that I can see imagine how many people how many women you'll empower that will then go on to set these amazing businesses which will create a ripple effect and it'll just turn the entire world upside down because everything's going to be so much driven from the heart rather than money driven which is what the world is about at the moment what you're doing is just amazing and um i can see that i'm going to be working with you for a very long time good job we're besties then isn't it i know so if people want to find out about their archetypes if people want to find out and reach out to you i'm going to drop a link in at the bottom where people can reach out and can you tell us where will that link take them so this takes you to so it's a link tree um link I think you're going to drop and this takes you to my booking system and on there it has different options so a discovery call where we can talk through your business or you could just go straight on and do your sacred archetype tests that's the first one to do really because then we can do branding archetypes afterwards if you do a sacred money archetype assessment you can at the moment get 30 minutes free with me to talk about them and then look to see if we want to do a one-to-one session and I I do long-term one-to-one but also short sharp I call them ignite me sessions which are 90 minutes and they're at a more reasonable price (laughs) as well just to get people on and going and have a little bit of a yes I'm on this road because once we get going actually we can do a lot ourselves and then we can just check in and I'm going to be starting my membership next month which is 30 pound a month and that's really every single day there's a different activity on I've got choir that I run that you can join for free if you're part of the Ignited Women Network and uh, have great coaches coming in and also it's a great way to buddy up with people who are doing similar things who all know their archetypes as well so I've got lots of different ways of connecting with me and it would be um I I just find it fascinating finding out new people's archetypes yeah and sometimes we just need that permission we just need that permission to 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 raise our prices to to dress a certain way to to go and do something in business and I think what you've created there is going to be very powerful and I'm so excited to be part of it as well I'm so so excited too I just I think that we sometimes need champions to just help us believe in ourselves and go you can do this it's okay and if you're going to do this could these could be some pitfalls so let's put these in place so that you feel more confident and determined as you build your business i hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business now if you did please remember to do me a huge favor and rate and review on your podcast app And if you don't want to miss another episode, please remember to subscribe. 
Now, if you missed anything or you want to find out what's coming up next, remember to go to ukeducators.com forward slash podcast, where there's lots of information about the guests upcoming and those that we've already had. I'm Sid. You've been listening into the UK Educators Community Podcast, and I'll see you next Sunday when we release a new episode.